When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. On today's podcast, we're going to take a look at some of the things that are trending in the world of offensive line play, and joining me to discuss some of those things is the offensive line coach at Bryant University, Stephen Siasi. Coach, it's great to have you here again. Absolutely, Keith. I really appreciate you having me on. I love having you on because as I've gotten to know you over the years, you've really impressed me as somebody who is a student of the game and stays on top of things. And uh, I know you have a lot of great connections too. You do a good job with networking. And a lot of that then comes into play with the things that you do as an offensive line coach. And one of the things you brought to my attention is, is something I think I've, I've heard Scott Peters talking about for quite a while. I actually re-aired his first podcast from year one. He's been a big proponent of how do you build an offensive lineman and I know that's something you've studied and come to understand some things about this this offseason. So tell me about some of the things that you've been thinking about in that regard. The biggest thing is, you know, typical offseason in the past, kind of like, you know, we look at our scheme, look at our breakdown, like, what do we run, what do we do? I've always said, okay, how can we run this play better? How can we do this? And, you know, you look at, like, top rushing teams in the league, top rushing teams in the nation, and pass pro and all that. I've kind of always built the offseason in the past around. You know, guys do the strength conditioning, the strength coach. I do football work with them, do certain flexibility stuff with them. A lot of my focus is, okay, how can we get better offensively? You know, how can we as an O-line block power better? And that was kind of in the past a lot of what I would do travel-wise. i go visit people and talk scheme, stuff like that. And the past two years, you know, kind of last year leading into this year, just kind of seeing a lot of the different techniques people are teaching and, you know, the stuff I do and, what other people are doing. I want to really kind of see what people are doing to build a better offensive lineman, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. See, like, what guys are doing, not just in the weight room, but in, within their own personal training. So a lot of my visits have been tailored to the past couple of years, going and watching what other people are doing in the off season with their guys, how they're teaching them to bend, what are they having them bend, you know, what type of work are they having them do. Um, what type of exercises are they having them do? Is the weight room plan the same as as the other athletes, or are there big guys doing stuff different? And that's been a huge focal point for me. Is like, how can we build a better offensive lineman? How can we get a guy who's more? How can we get him to become more flexible, stronger? How can we get his, his footwork better in the off season? And I'm really just kind of breaking it down 
again, just from learning from other people, just different ways of how to do that. And seeing the dividends now in spring ball, it's awesome. Something that I think is, was kind of an awesome shift from the schematic side of things going into an off season. Not, not doing, you know, not forgetting to do that, but really just touching on like, how do I build my position better? With that, I know coaching division three, we get a lot of the guys who aren't benders, right? Um, we get the undersized right. guys and we get the big guys who can't bend. So for me, it was always a focus on working on some of that hip mobility and that flexibility, but that's true at every level. I think every coach wants their guys to be more mobile in the hips, be able to bend. It's a big part of the game. So what are some of the best things that you've come across and implemented in that regard? Whenever we lift as a, as a team, as a unit, whenever the offensive line lifts, coming into that lift about 15, you know, 20 minutes before, depending on the day, those guys will come in and they'll go through a pre-lift routine specifically designed just for them, you know, field line. And it, and it, it entails a few different things. One, hurdles. They're going, once they warm up, they're going over, under the hurdles, just working different hip mobility stuff with them, different hamstring stuff with it. Really emphasizing when doing it, the hurdles don't have to be long. Like you don't need them bending at the waist to do this. So I, I had to tell them, listen, for when they first start doing this in the offseason, raise those things all the way up. I want you to be able to sink your hips underneath them to bend, you know, bend your ankles, bend your knees, bend your hips, be able to go over and under them without having to, to bend at the waist and create a bad body position. That's the first thing we do. We do a few different ankle flexion act- activities. We're just kind of working, moving off of our insteps, you know, light bounds, different types of movements where we have to have the knees squeeze inside, where we have to push off the insteps of our feet. Really, again, it, it all kind of just entails, it's all active stuff. None of it is stag. It's dynamic movements. We're trying to move. We're trying to get the body warmed up for our lift. But it's all the different things, by far wise, that we're taking and applying in actual practices, in actual O-line, physical movements. And we're just doing it before the weight room. And so we do that every time we go in the lift. So they, they did that from January all the way to March. And now that same pattern of movements, I just take a reduced format of that. And now that we're in spring practice, those guys, that's how they start the day the first five minutes, going into practice as well. And it's just a good light way to, to work what we call the, you know, there's four phases of flexibility we want to work. It's our back, our hips, our knees, and our ankles. And that's kind of what we focus on. The back's kind of a new one for me. I've kind of been trying to focus on a little bit more is, you know, we always talk about our upper body being independent, lower body, with how we move and some of the different torque stuff that we do in our, in our run schemes and pass pro. We really want to work on, on that part of the body, being flexible, being strong as well. So that's been kind of a new focus. But the kind of cool thing with this whole thing, Keith, is that like going again, going into the off season, just watching all the cutups on film. It, w- it wasn't that hey, we're a good power running football team. The our juice blocks got to get better. And we got to figure out. It was okay. How is my right toe? How is Anthony? How is he stepping? How is he bending? And that's kind of more of the focus for me this year. And it took a little more time. Took a little more film. Mm-hmm. You know, film breakdown and be able to sit with those guys. But my goal going in the off season was like, how can I? show every one of the guys on the roster on the O-line how they need to move better and how can we attack that. And that's, that's been the whole focal point. It's been awesome. Now, as you were doing that and, and looking at that film, did you come up with any kind of criteria or, I guess, standardization to you know, w- what you're going to show these guys, tell these guys, kind of determine where each guy is at? Or was it just going through and showing them, here's what I saw? So really, it's very, very basic. I, I literally broke it down by type of block. 
And so, like, a deuce block for our tackle, their angle drive technique, where they open up and they're running off the ball to punch that hip. I just wanted to show, like, all those guys, hey, here's how you're stepping. You're on your toe. So, like, you can tell your knee, you know, your knee, you're just, you're, you're turning underneath yourself. You're not actually pushing off that right foot, your right tackle, to open that hip up. So, we studied in, like, little breakdowns based off of that. And then backside, outside zone. Hey, we're, we're missing scooping out this three. Again, like, when you watch your footwork, when you watch how you're bending, like, your, your body weight is not properly loaded. Like, you're lowering your weight on the foot that needs to be able to open up. You need to open that hip. Your foot should be low. Your right foot should be loaded up. That's where the, the the bulk of your force you should be generating to throw yourself open should be coming from. And then like okay, from there it's here's why you're having issues with that. Like you can tell your you know your hips your your hips are not flexible. Or man, like you can tell like when you get in that stance, you'll look comfortable. You're really what we call like toey. Like you're 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 constantly on your toe. Yeah, because you don't really feel like too flexible with that. Well, then that's a good that's a conversation that it leads to something that we can apply to those guys directly in the off season. And so, our off season was really like the first month, like end of January into middle of February. For my guys, it was all about just teaching them how to bend and teach them how to move from day one. Didn't matter if it was my starting right tackle or if it was my freshman, you know, center. It didn't matter. I wanted to get all these guys bending and all these guys moving the right way and fixing, you know, corrective issues from the season that popped up throughout the year. And then the scheme part kind of comes in as we were going into spring ball. Hey, here's how we can do power better. Here's how we can do counter better, inside zone better. And I think, you know, by breaking it down by the type of block and how they need to move, that that's just kind of a real beneficial way that we do it. Moving ahead with that, how much will you, you carry this new way of, of looking at things into the season, into when you're looking at film and, and communicating some of those things as you move forward? So I think going into camp is huge. I think, you know, you have the ability in camp you know, every day from when the guys get here all summer training. It's going to kind of be a reset. Like post-spring ball, we're gonna, I'm going to do the exact same thing. I'm going to look at the film, break it down. Here's what we're doing really well. Here's where we're moving well. Here's where we're not moving well. What kind of flexibility stuff can we do to fix that? And we'll apply that for the summer. And then in the season, a little tougher in the season, just based off of practice time and film and game plan, you don't have as much time to sit down and watch it. But one of the things that I will do is, and I've kind of done this in the past, is like for home games every Friday is when like, I tell the young guys, hey, come on in. Like, you can come in and watch your one-on-ones. You can come on in and watch. Let's watch the scout reps. I got a little bit extra time doing some recruiting for home games. Um, to kind of watch that, the development guys with that. And what I'll do is I'll just kind of add this into them Friday. Like, hey, guys, here's what you're doing. Hey, we're in week four. Hey, here's week two. Like you were starting, you were really good job with your footwork, right? You were bending well. You're pushing off the insteps of your feet. Now you're starting to get a little more beat up. You can see it here, right? You're starting to be a little more toe. You're starting to be on that toe. You're starting not to, to rotate the knee, you know, the way you need to. Let's correct that. So I'm kind of going to steal that time on Fridays a little bit for home games, where it's a little bit easier. Kind of do that little extra, but it is different. I, I do believe it is different because there's a game plan piece that comes into effect in the season. You mentioned, too, that part of your study is, as you looked at this idea of building a better lineman and how that's done, including in the weight room. And uh, is there a difference between maybe how the other guys are developed and how the O-lineman is getting developed? What kinds of things did you find in that regard? Yeah, so I, I think it just comes down to, I'm, and again, I'm not a, uh, I'm always, one of my best friends is a strength coach, and he's one of the best out there. John Gersh, I always, I always joke with John about, hey, I'm not a strength coach. <laughs> I don't, I'm not one. I always, whenever it comes to 
a scientific question or anything like that, I'm very fortunate. We got a great one here in Craig Buckley who does an unbelievable job. So like anytime where I'm looking at a corrective issue, the first guy I go to on campus is Coach Buck. And he is awesome. And him and I will sit down and we'll kind of map out a plan, like what can we do, whether it's – yeah, at the end of the day for me, like O-line play is very simple in that our job is to move a guy from point A to point B. And the only way I know how to do that is to push weight and move weight. And then how we get to that point – all the technique it requires, that, that falls on me as a coach to teach that. But the application of getting these guys strong enough and teaching them how to generate power and generate force, that comes from the weight room. And to me, that comes from pushing things. So, like, I love pushing prowlers. I love moving sleds. I love anything with resistance where guys are, are learning how to generate force and move their body. You know, I think the biggest challenge of big guys, you know, I think when you look at, like, when you're recruiting and type of guy, the first thing you got to figure out is can a guy actually move his own weight? And with a lot of the bigger, bigger guys, sometimes they're not able to do much more than their own weight, and it takes time. you got to know that going into recruiting. Hey, do I have the time to do that? Or do I need to get a more athletic guy who's a little bit more powerful, um, who's got that already? And so but in terms of the offseason and all that, like Coach Bog, I, I, I lean on our strength coaches. I lean on guys to do this. I think that the training that – the bigs do needs to be different than the little guys because just what you're trying to do in a game is completely different. Does that make sense? Yeah. Moving things to, we talked a little bit about the lower body there, the upper body, hand combat, I know is, is something you've been looking at. Uh, talk to us some of the things that you've been thinking about there. I think like the age old, the the conversation I always love, I love I love being a flying wall with other line coaches, listening to them talk about independent hands versus two-hand strike. Some of the best guys out there will tell you one way or the other. Some of the best guys out there will tell you you can do both. To me, I'm a big believer in both. I try to keep it very simple for our guys. If you can re- touch it with one and I'm square, hit it with one until so I can get to the ability to, to go with two. From an aiming point target standpoint, we always want to take that near hand. We want to attack the far part of their body, the peck. We want to aim for that far peck area. Hand down the middle is death. Anything in near near to their side of the body, the near half of their body is death. They take that away, I'm done. My inside hand can never get involved. And then vice versa, if I can hit it with two, well, I'm a whole lot more powerful. So like what we kind of say to our guys is this. You're longer with one, you're, more, you're stronger with two. So you just got to know the application of when to do that. When can I hit a guy with one hand? When should I hit a guy with one hand? And when should I hit him with two? And I keep it pretty simple to my guys. I tell them their shoulders are up the field. And my position, I'm in a position where I can't get with two. One is perfect. I'm going to kick. I'm going to stay square. I can hit him with one and deliver a blow of power. Second, his shoulders turn to me. The angle of his, his, his rush changes. His shoulders are now facing mine. Well, I've got to be prepared to use two. Because now it's power coming to us. I think it's just the – I love seeing what other people are doing. I do a lot of, I do a lot of film study on this because at the end of the day, it's all about how long can you play, you know, and how, how much space can you create versus the D lineman. Not just with your feet, but with your hands. So the first thing I think key with that is teach them how to understand how to create space for your feet, how to take away space for your feet, and then we teach the hand part second. You know, once they've figured out how to move, where to move, how to get to the angle they need to get to, the set point they need to get to, now is what kind of where I bring the hands into it. And I keep it simple. With the young guys, I don't let them do a whole bunch. It's very basic. I try to just master two-hand punch, let, teach them how to get to a spot where you can use two. And then as they get progressively better, how to use one hand, when to use it, 
And then the older guys, there's a whole gamut of different options that they can do. And that's, that's something like with my older group now, like they're doing a lot more hand combat, whether it's grabbing and clamping, whether it's flash face, whether it's, you know, grabbing tugs. The young guys, they all want to do it, but until they've mastered and gotten better at their, their independent hands and their double punch, like I don't, I don't allow them to do that. For you, as you're looking at implementing some of the, the different things that you're able to do with hand combat, how are you training them, you know, in these different situations? Yep, the young guys are learning one way, right? Makes sense. They're going to learn to do that. But as as with any position, right, it's, it's all about decision-making and recognition. Yep. So what are the things that you're doing to work that progression? There's two ways, I guess. Like there's the physical sense, like from an indie standpoint, we do a lot of light activities. I don't like to just have them like just punch a ball all the time. I, I like two things. I like them hitting a the man. I also like them hitting the, the boxing pads. So, like we'll just hold up the hand mitts and we'll just present options. Like I'll give them a full on, you know, I'll just give them one little hand, like shoulder, and I'll have them just learn how to, to set, move their feet, punch with that near hand, you know, hit that target. I'll give them a full chest. Okay, now, it, now it's a visual chest at me, power type of move coming at me hit it and then from an education standpoint obviously there's more individuals now but from education standpoint it's all about teaching them why are they lying the way they do and what does that mean for me like okay what is he trying to do okay you know i've been kicking his butt he's been tight now he's loosened up well he's whining out he's probably trying to get me to chase him out there so he can beat me to speed at an angle okay he's really tight on me well, he's probably going inside right away. He's probably trying to set me up with some type of move to go inside or at least challenge the illusion of it so that I don't set You know, there's different education pieces. I think both are important. With the young guys, I think it's really important to teach them the why first in the off season, and then keep it as simple as possible with the physical element so they don't get overloaded. And then the more combat-ready experience they get on the field, more now you can add to their toolbox physically. Um, for me, I'm a big believer, and maybe to a fault, I'm a big believer that guys learn off of film. And so, like, when I'm, when I'm teaching a new technique, there's going to be a clip of it somewhere, like, that they're going to see. Whether, and I do a lot of film play with this. Like, okay, if we're talking independent hands, I'm going to just watch all offseason. The main teams I know that are really good pass pro. And O-line coaches I know that teach similar stuff. I'm going to find clips of it. It doesn't matter what level. D3, D2, FCS, FBS, NFL. I want good film. We're going to show them how to do it. I want them having that visual. And then as we learn through it, like during spring practice progression, they'll see themselves do it in Indy. They'll see themselves do it on team. And then after they see that and we repractice, I'm always going to have clips of other people doing it. So they can compare what they're doing in practice to what other people are doing in college football. I think that's just really important from a visual standpoint and from a, a memory standpoint, kind of seeing how people are doing it. How much do you train them as you get more towards the season to be able to watch film and understand what type of guy they're going to face in order to know, hey, I'm going to be maybe heavier on this type of technique this week or this might be a counter that I need to use, et cetera? Well, we do. The, be the best thing for us is our D-line, uh, Coach Goodwin, our D-line coach, is one of the best out there. And our D-line, the second we have done something against them that we're successful at, the next day there's a very good counter coming right back at us. So from an education standpoint, how is more competitive room in America right now? 
between our O-line, D-line, and, like, what we're doing with each other right now. It's freaking awesome. That goes back to, though, what you were saying, Keith, with the education piece. Like, understanding. And it's something that some of our, some of my guys really have a good handle on, and some of them don't yet, and that's okay. You know, it's something that I got to keep coaching every day. Our mindset and pass is this simple, and I, I hope I'm not rambling too much of this. But their alignment means something, right? Yeah. Like, how they align what they're trying to do, what their mission is. There's two ways we approach pass pro. I'm either going to take away their ability to rush. That's my mindset in that I'm going to win first contact. How am I going to do that? Quick set, jump set, some type of flash fake, and then quick engage. Run block him if he's tight on me. You know, you jump set, same thing. But I'm going to take away, that's the first thing, I'm going to take away his ability to pass rush. Or based on his alignment or based on what he, I think he's going to do, I'm going to get to a spot where now I can fully engage him. He's a wide nine. I've been kicking his butt. He's been lying tight on me, and I've been getting on him. I'm kicking his butt. Okay, well, now he's wide. I don't trust myself. Some of my older guys, they're real confident. Even when they line up that wide, they can still get out to them and make them kind of do what they want them to do. Some of the younger guys aren't. So I tell them, hey, your mindset now changes from, from take away his rush to get to his spot to take away his speed and now fight. So, like, figure out, like, look at a spot on the field, look where he's at and kind of determine, okay, I got to get maybe four yards deep. Now I've taken away his speed. He has to come through me. Well, now it's time to freaking fight. And so that's the two ways we teach it. So, like, from a mindset perspective of how we want to handle it. And the, the last thing with that is, and I, I, I stress this, I can't take credit for this. This is something Coach Mogridge taught me uh, when I was working for him at FIU. We want to dictate what they do. We want as much as possible to dictate what type of rush we want to get. And that takes a certain level of confidence. It does. Because it, it's very easy, I think, to always just step back and kind of wait. You kind of be a little bit more confident. You're a little bit more of a better spot. But then your room for error, if they beat you, is done because you're already so deep. For us, as much as possible, we want to dictate what the rush, what the rush is that we're getting. So there's a whole, whole bunch of different options that we can do to get that. And that's our mindset going in every pass rush. That's the first thing I'll ask him when I watch the film. Hey, what was your what was your plan here? Tell me what your plan was. Yeah. And then we coach off of it. Yeah. I like that kind of questioning too. Rather than telling them what you've seen to ask them the question, right? Get get into their mindset. What are they thinking? Exactly. What's the decision making? Because that, that can be coached up as well. It'll either reveal that they're on the same wavelength as you, or it might be like, wow. They missed the mark of what I'm what I'm trying to teach. Okay, that's pretty cool. Let me bring it back though, so I can let me help them rein them in a little bit. And I, that's why I like. I'm always curious because when we watch one on ones, it's the first time. Like, what was your thought here? Tell me what you were gonna do. Talk me through your plan. And if a guy is confident with it and he's still messing up, I'm like, hey, listen, I love what you're trying to do. Here's what you could do better technique-wise. Maybe it's one less set. Maybe it's you lost inside leverage. But if you get a guy and this happens, you know, especially the young guys, I don't know, Coach, I just, I just went out there. And it's like, okay, listen, well, here's what you need to do. And it's just a great teaching model. And that goes back to, too, with, like, this time of year. One-on-ones for me, I'm, I'm a hugely competitive guy. One-on-ones are all about development. I don't care how many they lose. I want them working their technique. I tell them, like, guys, work your technique. Get better at what you're trying to do. And get better. That's the, this is not this is not real football. You know, what I mean? like there's no, this is not like a rivals camp or anything like that. Like there's no this this is this is us just getting better. It's not an actual football game. 
work your technique, work your skill set, do what you need to do. Moving on to the run game, part of your focus this offseason was answering the age-old question of how much. I think it's a great question. I think that's one we we could talk for over an hour about, but where are you with with uh, run game and volume of what you're going to teach? I like to master. We we have four main schemes that we've we've done here. We feel really confident again. We could line up and run power counter, you know, inside zone. And then our outside zone complements those three, and so we feel real good about those. And then off of those, we want to have a family within each. So like. We've got three different ways to run power. We've got three different ways to run counter. You know, same thing inside zone, outside zone. But for the guys up front, it's all the exact same play. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's the most important part because it's not changing their techniques. It's not changing their blocks. It's not changing, like, how they apply it. And it's not changing the picture too much in front of them except for a few variations based on, like, read game and stuff like that. But the core element of the play is always stay the same. One of the big off-season studies outside of like developing guys on off the field was I, I wanted and I wanted to talk to a bunch of guys about how much is too much and the answers are all over the spectrum and it's awesome. I think there's two different mentalities with it. Ours is how ours has really been. We're going to be really good at what we do, and then from there we are going to add little twists here and there, um, but still stay with it still stay within the scheme of what we do minus a variation of like example, like a read or an RPO off of it. Other people's mindset is there's a scheme that a team is bad against every week. I think feel like this is more of an NFL mentality, which I kind of the mindset I've gone talking to guys with that. We're going to attack them in this scheme and we're going to teach our guys that. And I don't think that's the wrong way either. I think that takes a little bit more teaching. I think that takes a lot more preparation. Um, but for us, like we're a big believer that four to six run schemes is the perfect amount for me. Like four to five is exactly where we want to be. With variations in families, and and I'm going to pull one out here that was very familiar to me. Power, yep. right? Power and power read. Yep. Technically, when you draw it up, the lines look the same. Um, from the way that the defense is going to react, Right, it's going to be different. You're going to be faced with a, a different set of reactions from the defense yep. on the power read compared to an A-gap power. Right. Right. So how do you go about training those up? Because I do feel that's important, right? To just say, well, power is power. It doesn't matter if right. it's you know this version or that version. I think it does when they're going to react differently them they being the defense correct i think when it comes to having variations like that like the, the cool thing to me like we run power there's two different ways we can run power read we can do it the normal way which is you know usually off of some type of bash motion or you know cross face or or quick you know pitch where you're reading that front side dn or what we we had some success with last year was we would read the backside DN rather than postage tackle. And so we would just essentially take the front side of the play, keep those combos play side, send that backside tackle either to the backer that normally your deuce would go to or your ace, or if there was a three technique, your center would climb and tackle would cut him. And we would read that like you would on backside inside zone read. In both of those cases, from an offensive perspective, 
only really two people's jobs really changed. It was when you talk about a typical power read, it's your play side guard pulling, right? Because, like, usually he's looking to insert off that double team, hit that backer. And if that DN is giving the tight end trouble, he'll bang the DN back out. Well, you're reading that guy now, so he doesn't want to touch him. You want He wants to avoid that mm-hmm. and climb. So that's one person's job change. But for the rest of the play, it's really not a big deal. But from the defense, it's a totally different surface. It's a totally different play. And so, like, that's where, like, if you keep it, the change within the scheme very simple for your guys up front for your offense, it's really not that hard to add layers to what you do in the run game. And that's a big believer in what, what I believe in, what most people believe in. And it's the same thing with the backside where we read the DM power. Only one guy's job change. It was either the tackle or the center, depending on who they were going to, and then the quarterback. So both of those pictures – from a formation standpoint, from a schematic standpoint, it looks the same initially, but from a defensive fit, from the second level, third level, first level, it completely changes the, the concept of the play and what it actually is. And I, I think that's there's a lot of value. So, like, to me in the run game, I would rather make those tweaks within what we're good at, our four main schemes, than and every week look to add a brand-new play that yeah. fits you know, or that the team struggles against because I feel like you can find that within your own um, arsenal plays that you do. I'm with you in terms of less is more. Yeah. For me, it, it was my progression as a coach and, and learning that through experience, right? And, and going from one year where we, we go back on the season and we were, well, you know, this, this scheme works well against them. We could teach this, you know, and we can. We, we can teach guys where to go. The, the how-to-go part is big. The technique Absolutely. that goes along with it is huge, and, and I think that's where you lose these guys. And they would say, oh, yeah, we could do that. I understand it. But the, the reps of doing it again and again, Absolutely. Uh, being able to really break it down to here's the, the few things you're going to face when we run this particular scheme, you know that has a ton of value. And I, I agree with you 100% that uh, you, know, you, you really have to evaluate uh, what you're going to get out of it. And, and, you know, a lot of that too goes to the play caller. I, I realized at some point while we had all kinds of great ideas that we'd put together during the course of the week, my my comfort level in calling something, that needs to be there as well or we wasted all that time. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm just not going to call that because I don't feel comfortable. Well, then, then those were reps that were wasted during the week. And, you know, I got to that point too where – uh, my question was when, when something new was, okay, what are we not going to work this week then to work this one Absolutely. so that we are comfortable calling it? Absolutely. So, yeah, it's finding that balance. I think you have to value what you've put into teaching the technique and what your guys are good at, and that, that always has to override, well, this scheme worked against them. Absolutely. I mean, there's times, we, like, for example, like there's teams last year we played that teams ran pin and pull on them, and I was like, Man, I love it. It, it. You know, they don't fit it great. We had a way in. Okay, we don't run pin and pull. But you know what? We got we got the we ran GT counter or some similar backfield action, and we were able to kind of get a similar surface that fit what we did, rather than putting a new scheme. I think like that's the balance. Like from a run game perspective, right. you need to and same in the pass game progression with route concepts that you need to find with it. Or you can like we said, you can go the other route, which I know for us. With the amount of time, and I'm, I'm sure it's similar with you, Keith, we don't get a whole lot of time to meet with our guys. 
So, like, from a game plan implementation standpoint, if we were to present it with them, and we have smart guys, but if we were to present them a whole bunch of different options, like, hey, we're putting eight new plays, and it, it would be a lot. I, I'd question the, the effectiveness that we'd be able to do with that versus altering simple things within our scheme. Yeah, I agree with you. Because looking at, uh, you know, I led off by saying you are a student of the game, um, and I do think as we go through our off-seasons and we spend our time developing, there's things we learn uh, about ourselves and our approach to the game. So as you look back over this last year, what do you think is the best thing you've done to develop yourself as a coach? The best thing I did for myself personally is I've kind of went and hit up people from every different level of coaching college, high school, NFL. I just wanted to see what they were doing with their guys, not from kind of going back to the first thing I talked about, not from Nexus and O standpoint, but mm-hmm. from a technique, from a fundamental, from a movement standpoint. How can we? And 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 some of those guys are are really close friends, and they challenge some of my uh, how I teach, and I challenge theirs, and I and there's nothing better than that, uh, truthfully, because I think you can get really comfortable running what you do. And then people will listen to it. People will like it. But I, I can, I can tell you, like, for example, is like three of my best friends: Brennan Walsh, O line coach at Colgate; Jake Dembo, the O line OC at Marist; uh, Willie Desire, he's tight ends coach um, at Lehigh. And the three of us are all O line guys. And we, it's a constant. Hey, why are you doing this? Well, I, I don't know, man. Like, are you getting what you want out? The type of deal, type of conversations, and it's awesome. I've done that with a lot of different people, not just a lot of people in the past year, and it makes you just want to go back and look at what you teach and learn how to teach it better. I've answered in the best way, truthfully. Coach, I, I really appreciate you joining me. I always enjoy these conversations with you, and I like to see what you're doing for our coaches out there. Two coach has I think three courses now on, on coach tube I know you've done a couple for Lawrence and we did one for the virtual summit during the shutdown I'll link all of those in the show notes some great stuff in those very detailed and take a take a look at those so uh, good luck to you guys this year Steve and I'm sure I'll, I'll be in touch with you more before the season but again thanks for your time absolutely I appreciate you